Thank you for listening to the Cathedral Church Podcast. We hope this resource inspires you and equips you to walk in everything that God has for you. Being self-sufficient, we understand that God needs nothing, and yet He desires a relationship with man. We see this in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy chapter 10. At that time, the Lord separated the tribe of Levi to bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord, that which represented his presence, to stand before him and to minister to him and to bless his name to this day. It hasn't changed. God still desires for you and I as the Levites in the house, kings and priests, he desires for you and I to bear his presence, to carry his presence, and to also stand before him and to minister unto him. We see this in the New Testament in Acts chapter 13. As they, the early church, ministered to the Lord, Holy Spirit began to speak. I noticed here something I'd never really seen before that as we minister unto the Lord, Holy Spirit begins to minister to people. That's why it's so important that we as a corporate body engage in worship because as we minister unto him, realize that worship is not for us. Worship is not about entertainment. Worship is unto him. And as we come into this house to minister unto the Lord, then Holy Spirit begins to minister unto people. That's why it's so important that we not just sit there uh, with idleness and just observe spectators, but that we engage and we become a part of what is happening in the worship experience. In Amos chapter 9, verse 11, speaking of the future, God said that in that day, I will raise up the tabernacle of David that has fallen down and I will rebuild it as in the days of old. We understand the teaching on David's tabernacle, how that when he brought the, tab- the ark from Obed-Edom, from his home, he, he, he brought it back to Jerusalem and he set it up on a hilltop and it was an open tent where you could see in 24 hours a day and you could observe the worship of God. It wasn't closed off as it was before, but it was open for all to see and it was continual worship. And this is what God desires for his church today, that it be a worship a lifestyle of worship 24 hours a day and that it'd be open for all to see. And he said here in Amos, I will rebuild what has fallen down. I'm going to restore this. And I believe that during this pandemic, God is moving as I preached last Sunday to awaken the passion within the hearts of people to create a hunger once again for his presence and for corporate worship. We know that within crisis lies the opportunity for change. This is the tipping point for transformation. So right now in this global, global pandemic, this is an opportunity, a crisis 
that has the opportunity for change. This is our moment to change. This is the tipping point for transformation. This is our opportunity to come back into our churches and not fall back into the old ruts of entertainment and performance and just a religious institution, but to truly step back into the old tabernacle of David where we are truly engaged in corporate worship that is not for our benefit, but it's for his benefit to minister unto him and bring glory unto him that will cause the glory to fill the house of God. So when the church reopens in America, what will the Americans return to? Let's title this Returning to the Church. Let me talk to you for just a minute about ministering to the Lord of the house because that's why we're here. We want to do everything with excellence here at Cathedral, but we do know that we are here to minister unto him and not to entertain people. To minister unto the Lord of this house. That's why the seeker-sensitive model doesn't work for us because we believe that the ecclesia comes together. Heaven's Congress on planet earth to legislate kingdom business, that we gather on Sunday morning as the ecclesia to do kingdom business. And much of that is to minister unto the Lord. That's why we're here, to minister unto him and to equip the saints and then to release them out into the world to evangelize and to win souls and bring them back to the house to be discipled and to be equipped so we can then send them out so they can evangelize the world and bring more disciples in. This is our vision. This is our philosophy. This is the culture of this house that we're here to minister unto him. And by doing that, Holy Spirit then turns and ministers unto people. We find this pattern in Ezekiel chapter 44. And in verses 11 and 15, we read, from now on, speaking of the Levites that had forsaken true worship. They were going through the mechanics of the temple, but they had lost the heart and the spirit of the temple. He said, for now they will serve the people. But the priest who descended from Zadok, they are going to come into my presence and they are going to serve me. So in Ezekiel 44, we find two groups, the Levites that had forsaken the Lord and the sons of Zadok that had stayed true to the Lord. The priests that were caught up in the mechanics of the temple and then the sons of Zadok that had maintained the true spirit and the passion of the temple. The first thing I want you to notice here in Ezekiel 44 is that there were these two types of Levites, those that ministered to people's needs and those that ministered to the Lord. Those that ministered to people's needs, entertaining, and those that minister unto the Lord. Ezekiel 44 makes it clear that it is possible, it is possible to minister in the house and never minister to the Lord of the house. And that is truly a tragedy. For us to gather together as the church and to, in essence, minister to everyone except to the one that matters the most. He said they, the priest, would have to serve the people. This was not... And this moment, this was considered a discipline that they would be relegated 
to just trying to constantly meeting the needs of people, which we all understand you can never do. They would be relegated and delegated to that task of just trying to constantly make people happy. But the sons of Zadok, they would have the privilege of ministering unto the Lord. The second thing I want you to notice here in Ezekiel 44 is the activity of this temple. You see, God showed Ezekiel that though the activity of the temple was correct in that time, the condition of their heart was wrong. I've said it many times, and I I never want to be misunderstood, but I've said it before that I've been preaching now since I was 15 years old. I'm 58. I'll be 59 in just a couple of weeks. I've learned how to do church. And the fact is, and the frightening thing is, is that I really don't need Holy Spirit to do it. We can put on a program. We know how to do church. And therein lies the danger that we can do church without him. You see, we can do everything just right. But if we don't have the anointing, then we've missed everything. Because the anointing does make the difference. That's why we have to minister unto him so Holy Spirit will minister to people. We have to be careful that our activity is not only correct, but that the condition of our heart is correct also. You see, the first thing you need to know is that God allows the activity to continue. You see this in Ezekiel 44. He just said, okay, you priests that have lost the spirit of this moment, you're just going to be, you're going to have that delegated responsibility. You're just going to serve the people. And you're going to be on that treadmill of just constantly trying to keep people happy. And you'll go from one trend to the next trend, from one fad to the next fad. You're going to be constantly trying to stay in fashion and in fad and just trying to keep that thing moving and keep people happy. You see, the activity will be allowed. God will allow you just to keep doing church the way you've always done it. But the second thing you need to notice here is that God selects his personal priest, his personal priest. He says, I choose the sons of Zadok. They will be my attendants. They will be my priests that will minister unto me. Ezekiel 44 makes it clear that our activity alone, which is good and right, that must be done with excellence, our activity alone will never minister to God. He's not interested in our forms and programs It has to go beyond that. He's interested in the passion of our heart. He's interested in our expression of worship, our ministry unto him. Matthew 23, 5 reads, but all their works they do to be seen by men. We've said it before in this tabernacle. When I do things to be seen of men and I receive their applause, then just enjoy that because that is your reward. But whenever you do things in secret, The Bible says, my father that sees in secret will one day reward you openly. So a man must search his heart, the condition of his heart, and the motivation of his heart, and ask the question, why do I do the things that I do? If it's for the applause of men, then in that moment, please enjoy it, because that's all the reward you get. So is it, is it possible? I think it is. I think it is possible to minister to everyone in the room except the one that matters most. To minister to everyone and yet to forget him. The activity 
of the temple. Let me, let me talk to you for just a minute about the sons of Zadok. Verse 15, Ezekiel 44. But the priests, the Levites, the son of Zadok, who kept charge of my sanctuary, when the children of Israel went astray from me, they, the sons of Zadok, shall come near to me to minister to me. What a privilege for God to say, you boys can come near to me. You can come near to me. He extends his scepter like the king did with Esther. You couldn't approach the king without this, the, the scepter being extended. It could cost you your life if you did. In this moment, he extends that towards the sons of Sadok. It, it says, you can come near to me and minister unto me. So I want you, my third point today, just for a minute, real quick, to look at the minister's manual. And when I use that word minister, please understand that applies to all of us because we're all called to be kings and priests. We're all called to be worshipers and to minister unto the Lord. But look at the manual that you're to follow out of Ezekiel 44. Number one, he said there's to be no sweat in the sanctuary. Verse 18, they are to wear linen undercloths, nothing that makes them sweat. The point being is that we can't do this in the arm of the flesh. We have to do this in the arm of the Lord. I study, I prepare because I am so dependent upon him. But when I come to this holy desk, I realize it's the anointing that makes the difference. And I can't sweat it. I've got to just be at peace in him. And I've got to sense his presence and follow it. We can't do this. We can't carry the ark. We can't carry the presence. We can't carry the responsibility of this temple in the arm of the flesh. We can only do it with the help of the Lord, the minister's manual. The second thing I want you to notice here is that you can't trivialize your position as a worshiper, as a son of God. For verse 19 says, when they go out in the outside, the sons of Zadok, where the people gather, change your clothes so they don't trivialize their holy work. I just want to remind us that we may be in this world, but we're not of this world. And that we must remember that we are the sons of God. That there is a great responsibility that's been given to us. To whom much is given, much is required. And we carry with us the presence of God. And we have a responsibility to represent him. And we cannot trivialize what we do. As I've been saying for 72 days now, the days of the convenient Christian are over. It's time for Christians with conviction. You coming to church just when it's convenient is done. You worshiping God just when it's convenient is done. Us supporting the kingdom with our time, our treasure, and our talent when it's convenient is done. We're entering into those days of sorrow, and this is the time for men and women of conviction. This is the day when the world is looking to the church for leadership. Even the president of the United States has said, church is essential. We need to open our churches. I think the president perhaps gets it more than many Christians do. How important the churches are. You can't trivialize what we do anymore. We can't do it. The third thing I want you to see here is that we cannot live an uncommon life. Just our, our, we can't live a, just an ordinary life, a common life. Verse 23 says, their job is to teach my people the difference between the holy and the common. 
We have to live a life that is uncommon, that's unnatural to this world, that's extraordinary. It's not just ordinary, it's extraordinary. He said we have to show the difference between that which is holy and that which is common. That's why we preach so much about, as carriers of the presence, I can't go everywhere and do everything and say everything and act every way as everyone else because I am a son of God and I represent him and I carry his presence and he has given me a great responsibility. I've been bought with a price. My life is not my own. And I step into society to represent him and to bring the presence of God to this world to be a representative of Christ, epistles read and known of all men where they look at us and they see Christ. We major so much in the gifts of the Spirit and so often we forget about the fruit of the Spirit. We have to focus. We have to pay attention. We have to realize who we are and what we've been called to do. And we have to live on purpose. May I live my life in an extraordinary way. May I mean to do nothing common. Nothing common. There's nothing common about me. There's nothing common about you. May we make up our minds to live on purpose, to be deliberate, to be intentional, to live our lives focused, understanding that we are in his book of destinies. The manual for the minister. The fourth thing is to restore honor to God's house. Verse 24, they, they, the sons of Zadok, are in charge of making sure the appointed feasts are honored and that his Sabbaths are kept holy. We have to make sure that we restore honor back to this house. That when people come into this house, that they sense the presence of God. That there is still in this place a holy awe, that reverence. When people come in, They walk in, they step into the glory of God where sinners drop to their knees and say, surely God is among you. This is what we as a church are are commissioned with. People are to come into this house and to encounter a living God, not for us to speak about a historical Christ, but to present a living Christ where men come in here and they have every right in this community to expect to encounter the presence of God, to encounter the living God. We, as the sons of Zadok, we are responsible to make sure that Christ is presented to this community. With demonstration of power. Demonstration of power. This is the minister's manual. The fourth point I want to bring to you this morning is what the minister's benefit package is when we do this. For in verse 28, Ezekiel 44, he said to these priests, these sons of Zadok, I am your inheritance. Many times I've said, to whom much is given, much is required. But to whom much is required, much will be given. I have found that with every battle I fight, with every price I pay, with every sacrifice I make, with every storm I go through, when I stand true and I walk in righteousness and I keep my integrity and I stay true to him, I find that he gives himself to me more and more. To whom much is given, much is required. But to whom much is required, much will be given. 
He said, your benefit will be, I being God will be your inheritance. The typical minister ministers to people's needs. The uncommon minister ministers to him. And we understand the teaching on the tabernacle and the three-dimensional worship that took place. And the tabernacle, there was the outer court. And that's where the crowd was. There was natural light out in the outer court with the brazen altar and the, and the laver where they would wash their hands. But then the priest would go into the inner court and in the inner court, there was just a remnant that went in there. And in there was the lampstand and there was light that represented God, but man was still involved in that. But then the third dimension of worship was the Holy of Holies. And once a year on the Day of Atonement, the high priest would go past the veil and he would go alone. And in that place, there was no natural light. There was no light of any kind except for the Shekinah glory of the Lord that rested between the two cherubims on the mercy seat on the top of the ark. Only the glory of God. So we have the outer court with the crowd. We have the inner court with the remnant, with the few that will go. But then we have the Holy of Holies where you go alone. Three-dimensional worship. And this is the call that's going out. The call that's going out. I'm calling for the sons of Zadok. We, we can gather together as a congregation and and there'll be some that engage and some that don't, some that participate and some that spectate. And, and that's the outer court. And, and, and there's, there's natural light there and there's a lot of activity. But there'll be those, the remnant, that will press in and they'll go into the inner court. And, and there'll be those that will engage in a service and they'll move into worship and, and they'll go into that, that holy place. But then there's the holy of holies where you must learn by yourself, to go alone, to go alone. Some of the greatest experiences that I've ever had with God, I've been alone, been alone with him. And it's there that you step into the glory and there's no natural light, there's no man-made light, there's no assistance, there's, no, there's nothing but the Shekinah glory of the Lord. And that's the call that's going out in this hour as we as a church prepare to reopen, calling for the sons of Zadok. The, you see, God chose these sons of Zadok to be his personal attendants, those closest to him. He chose them to be chosen as a son of Zadok and to go into the Holy of Holies by yourself and just to minister unto him is a privilege beyond description. Let me talk to you for just a minute about the sons of Zadok and how they were charged with attending to the Lord. Again, you'll see this in Ezekiel 44, verses 15 and 16. My fifth point, my final point is how the sons minister to God, how they do this. First of all, there has to be passion 
for his presence. For verse 15 says, but the Levitical priest who, de- who descended from Zadok, who faithfully took care of my sanctuary, when everyone else went off and left me, I don't, I don't understand this verse. He said they went off and left him. How can our churches disinvite Holy Spirit from their services? How do we tell Holy Spirit you're not welcome? I don't, I don't, I, I, I don't mean to fuss at anyone or heap condemnation on no church, but I don't understand how we in America today can, can say that we don't want the manifestations of Holy Spirit, the giftings of Holy Spirit to operate because they make people uncomfortable. How do we as churches shut down our altars and refuse to challenge people to come forward and to step into a moment of repentance and deal with their sin? How do we do that? How do we refuse to preach on the blood and the cross and sanctification and holiness? I don't understand how we, we do that. I've, I've struggled for years now and I, I've tried to understand and I, I, don't, I don't understand because it says here that, that Israel had left him. They had left him. And they're going, he said, when everyone else went off and left me, but are going to come into my presence to serve me. He said, these sons of Zadok, they're going to come into my presence and they're, they're going to serve me. When everyone else left, these boys didn't leave me. Over the last several years, a number of years now, I, when I, especially when I first preached the message of red herring, God warned me that there was a red herring coming to America, to Beaumont. And I preached that message on a Sunday morning. The very next day, I got word that there was a, a ministry that hit our community and things were going to start changing in churches. And from that moment, I've, I've, I've felt pressure, of course, as every pastor does, to grow your church. But I keep going back to, I refuse to leave him. I won't leave him. I won't leave Holy Spirit. I, I, I won't do it. I won't leave the anointing. I won't leave the manifestations of Holy Spirit. I won't do it. And in this pandemic... There's so much research going out and they're talking about how changes are coming, which I agree with, and, and they're needed, and, and how things are going to shift, and, and how, what's church going to be like, and, and, and they're talking about all this. And, and, and for me, as I said, I think in crisis is the opportunity for change, is the tipping point for transformation. And I want to believe that this is a, an opportunity for the church to awaken and come back, but come back to the old paths. Come back to the, to the old ruins of the tabernacle of David and rebuild those ruins and, and come back to, to true corporate worship where we as the sons of Zadok are not here just to entertain people, but we're here to minister unto him and to see the glory of God to once again settle down in our churches. I refuse to leave him. I just can't do it. There has to be the passion for his presence. Keeping the charge of the Lord 
He said to the sons of Zadok, you're going to come close to me and you're going to be my attendant. How do I do that? By having passion for his presence and refusing to leave him. Number two, to create moments of worship by inspiration of Holy Spirit. Verse 15 again, they, the sons of Zadok, are going to carry out the priestly work of worship. The work of worship. The work of worship. There's, there's work in this. And we have to learn how to be carriers of his presence and sensitive to inspiration of Holy Spirit. Where we come together Every Sunday, we come together with, with a, an agenda. We come together with a plan and a program, and we have an idea of what we believe God wants us to do, and we, we, we follow that up into the moment when God says, okay, throw that out and follow me. At any moment, Holy Spirit can turn us. At any moment, Holy Spirit can change things. At any moment, he's in charge. And we have to learn how to be sensitive to his inspiration and our services. There's work. And we, listen to me, pastors across America and around the world, one of the greatest concerns that we that have been a part of revival, men of God that I've spoken to that have experienced revival in years gone by, one of the greatest concerns that we have, and this is not a criticism, this is not a condemnation, this is a reality that we're concerned about, is that the generation that's coming up behind is ready to take the baton. They've never experienced revival, and they don't know the art of worship. They don't know the work of worship. They have not been skilled in, in, in the work of the sons of Zadok. We're doing church now better than we've ever, ever done. It's a slick thing. It looks good as Hollywood. There's no concert in America that can be better than some of the concerts we put on in our churches. We've got the lights just right, which I love and I'm not against. We've got the hazers just right, which I love and I'm not against. We've got all the instruments just right, which I love and I'm not against. We've got every note down, every song sung, every word right, the preaching. We've become great, phenomenal communicators. We've learned the art of public speaking. And we've got all this down, and I'm thankful for all of that. Do it with excellence. But we've lost the anointing, and we've lost the work, the art of true worship. And I look at these young men and these young girls who are so gifted, a God-given gift. And they're only doing what they know to do. And I ask the question, where are the fathers and the mothers of revival? And where and when are we teaching them how to do the work or the art of worship? The skill, the ministry, where you at any moment, you know how to move with the unction of Holy Spirit and you can facilitate a move of God. So often I see platforms with phenomenal talent. You can see like Holy Spirit running around in the altar trying to get their attention and say, hey, 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 listen, let, let, let me, can I, can I do something? And, but our program won't allow us. And we just move right past him. Just right past him. The art, the work of worship. The third thing you see here on how the sons minister to God 
is wait on him and attend to his needs. Verse 16, they shall enter my sanctuary, the sons of Zadok. They shall come near my table to minister to me and they shall keep my charge. They shall come near my table, the table of the Lord. They shall come near my table and they shall keep my charge. That word charge is important. It means to watch the act of custody to safeguard to safeguard, to safeguard him, to watch over him, to protect him. The seed of Zadok, you see, they, they can turn God's visitation into a habitation, making it impossible for him to leave if we'll just learn how to safeguard him. When he comes in to our services, the sons of Zadok, they can, they can watch over him. They can be the custodians of God's presence and they can safeguard him. That's why in, in, in services, so often as pastors, Suzanne and I, we watch over our staff and our leaders and our volunteers and, and those on the platform. And we ask that you dress a certain way and you, you act a certain way and you serve a certain way. And it's not because we want to be legalistic and religious, but it's because we want to protect the presence of God. And I am charged to be a custodian of his presence. And when, when men in a service can't focus on worshiping God for the indecency of women and men, then there's a problem. You need to cover that up. Safeguard. Safeguard. Not legalism. Righteousness, not religion, relationship, safeguard. That's why in this church, we, we often say, please don't gossip. Please don't have strife. Please don't, please don't get critical. Please don't. Custodians of his presence. Not a perfect people. Oh, thank God. I'm so thankful for that. But as leaders, we have to be people of righteousness that are simply trying to do it right. People of a pure heart and clean hands. We have to. It's the time for that. It's the day for that. We have to. May we minister to people's needs and not forget to safeguard his presence. Stephen, come help me. We've talked about ministering to the Lord of the house. We've talked about the sons of Zadok and the minister's manual, what should guide us in our life. And we've talked about how we should minister unto him. How do we do that? But now I just want to give you a word of encouragement. I want to speak about the future and tomorrow. For Ezekiel looked into the future in Ezekiel 48 and he saw the temple that will be erected during the millennium when Christ rules on planet earth. And in Ezekiel 48 verses 11 and 12, we read, this is for the consecrated priests, the sons of Zadok, who stayed true in their service to me and didn't get off track 
as the Levites did when Israel wandered off the main road. This is their special gift, a gift from the land itself, most holy ground, bordering the section of the Levites. You remember in the Old Testament when Moses would erect the tabernacle, he'd set it up and the tribes would be on all four sides, okay? Four down three equals 12, all four sides. All their tents were pointing towards the tabernacle and their banners, their colors were flying towards that tabernacle. But around the tabernacle was a circle of tents and that was the Levites. The Levites protected the presence, custodians of the presence, for fear that some fool in a drunken stupor would stumble into the Holy of Holies and the glory of God would strike him and kill him. So the Levites protected the house of God. God says that during the millennium, when Christ rules planet earth from the temple in Jerusalem, again, those Levites will be close to him, but the ones that will be the closest are the sons of Zadok. So if you ask me, why do you do what you do right now? I'm doing it because one day I want him to let me be near him. He said, there is some special ground. He said, there is some holy ground that I'm gonna reserve for the sons of Zadok. They're gonna be the ones that are my personal attendants. They're gonna be close to me. They're gonna attend to me. And one day I'm gonna see him face to face. And I want him to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And I want him to say, son, you worshiped me when it was convenient and when it wasn't. You served me day and night. You never compromised your, the word of the Lord. You kept your integrity the best you could. You kept it. You never forgot me. And you never left me. I want you to come, son. Be close to me. You're going to serve me as a son of Zadok. That's what I'm signing up for. That's what I'm signing up for. You say, what position do you want to hold? I want to hold the son of Zadok. I want to minister unto him and the future temple. There was an article put out on April the 18th, 2020. Post-pandemic church, it's time to change. And I agree with that. It's time to change. This this, this has got to change. We left. We left our churches in America. Not everyone, not all of them, but some. We left our churches entertaining the people. Let us return ministering unto the Lord. We left performance-oriented. Let us return presence-driven. We left as kings and priests. Let us return as the sons of Zadok. Zechariah chapter 1 verse 3 says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Return to me, and I will return to you. If we'll come back into our churches in America and around the world, if we'll come back in as the sons of Zadok, God, I promise you, will return and meet us. He'll do it. So I want to ask you this simple question this morning. When the church reopens in America... What will the people of America return to? What will they find? Will they come back into our churches and find church as usual? Or will they come back and find the church that's changed, that's returned to the old paths, to the tabernacle of David, to open and passionate worship 
I'm not calling for a particular style. I'm just calling for passionate worship. I'm not calling you to fit into some mold, but I am calling for you to worship him with passion. Passion. What will the people return to in America? Returning to the church. Americas are known, Americas, Americans, excuse me, are known for standing up for what they believe in. And that's good. We will fight for our civil liberties. We'll stand up for the amendments. We will stand up for our rights, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, the first, second, third, and fourth amendment, we'll fight for them. I know that people are ready for America to reopen, and I understand that. I get it. They're ready. And they're standing up all across America. They're standing on their own two feet saying, you're trampling our civil liberties. And I get that, I understand. I, I'm, not, I'm not arguing against, arguing with anyone. That's what makes America great, that we will stand up for what we believe in. But 2 Chronicles 7.14 says, if my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, if they will seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. I've come here this morning to tell everyone that's listening, everyone under the sound of my voice, that the way that we open the nation and heal the land is not just by standing up for what we believe in, but by kneeling down. Because James chapter four, verse 10 reads, get down on your knees before the master. It's the only way you're ever gonna get on your feet. At any given moment, any given moment, you listen to me, America, any given moment, you're only 20 inches from a breakthrough. Just 20 inches. Any given moment, you're 20 inches to a miracle. Any given moment, you're 20 inches to an answer. America right now is standing on her feet. And rightfully so, I understand. But while citizens may stand on their feet in our streets, let us bow our knees in our churches because we're 20 inches from a breakthrough. Let us, let us come before the Lord as the sons of Zadok. Let us set a table for him in his presence. And let us, as the sons of Zadok, let us minister unto him. Let us attend unto him. Let us make sure 
that we minister to him so Holy Spirit can minister to others. Thank you for listening to the Cathedral Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit icathedral.org.